0: Philippians 2, you can find it in your pew Bibles on page 954, it'll probably be helpful to you to have the text in front of you as we work through it tonight. Philippians 2, verse 12 through verse 18, Philippians 2. Paul writes this, Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. So when you went off to Calvin, or maybe when you leave your parents' home, do they have like a phrase that they give you? Does anybody have a phrase that your parents always say to you when you like leave the house? Make wise choices. Excellent. Yes. Other ones? Don't get dead? Don't get dead. <laughs> At, OK. OK. That's, that's putting the bar pretty low. But we're going to encourage it. Someone over here? Drive safe. Drive safe. Lee. Yes. Remember who you are. Who's the other one? Remember who you are. Is that you? Lydia, high five. Thanks. Remember who you are. That's so perfect. It's almost like I planted her, but I did. Make wise choices, don't get dead, remember who you are, drive safely, right? This is, this is like our parents, like they know that we're going off somewhere and they can't see you and they can't hear you, they don't know when you're coming home, they don't know what you're up to and they want to like send you out with something really good, like, you know, don't get dead, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm on it, mom. What we have here in this section in Philippians is is Paul from a distance kind of yelling back, you know, like, don't get dead to the Philippians. Make wise choices. Drive safely. Remember who you are. (sighs) (laughs) Remember who you are. He says, therefore, my beloved, my children, these people that I love, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, Now in my presence, much more in my absence, and this is what he tells them to do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't get dead. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Drive safely. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make wise choices. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember who you are. Now it seems like like Paul's a little like the nervous nanny, like, you know, the don't get dead kind of person a little bit. No offense to your parents, who I'm sure are lovely people. (laughs) The line where it says, Therefore you as you have always obeyed me. And the me really isn't in the Greek, it's implied. And scholars that I happen to agree with think that the me shouldn't be there. That it should be as you've always obeyed. Because the last time he talks about obedience is up in verse 8. And he's talking about what Jesus did. Jesus was obedient. And he's saying, You've been obedient. You are obedient to Jesus Christ when I was with you. You're obedient to Jesus Christ when I'm away from you. Here's what I want you to do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is a verse that has been misinterpreted and misapplied many, many, many times. He is not saying here that salvation is something that you need to do. Work it out and be very afraid. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not like salvation is the SAT, and you got to take the prep classes, and you got to flip your way through the fevy book, and then when the time comes, you got to go into the exam room with fear and trembling because this is the test you're going to take that's going to decide, are you going to go to Calvin College or are you going to go to some state school? No offense, no offense. I'm sure they're all lovely. One of them gave me a PhD, so I don't know. He's saying it's not like that. It's not this that salvation is something that you've got to work so hard on. You've got to, like, wrestle it out like you're trying to crack a walnut. Like, work it out! Like, make it happen! The verb here that's translated work out is better translated as achieve or accomplish or reveal or show. And... It's not individual. It's not, John, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And he could. I mean, look at him. The guy can, like, hit three-pointers all day long, Coach Ross. He's saying, you all, all y'all, work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling. That is, make it real. Show it off. If you've been saved, show it. If this is who you are, remember who you are and reveal who you are. When Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's not like you got to work so hard and get your life in order because one day the judgment's going to come and if you don't have everything right in line, you are toast. He's not saying that at all. He's saying all of you together Start showing the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ. Remember in the first section of chapter 2, he talks all about what Jesus was like. He talks about Jesus who being in the form of God, did not empty himself, right, emptied himself, became nothing, became a slave, died, rose again from the dead, was exalted. He says, if that is all true for you, then live like it. Show it off. Reveal it to other people and do this together, corporately. And when he says with fear and trembling, he's leaning on an old Jewish phrase that was sometimes applied to the reverence that a person had to have toward God and was sometimes applied to the reverence a person had to have toward their covenant community. Work out your salvation, together, remembering who you all are together. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the reason we know that he's not talking that each one of us has to do it all right in order to get our salvation is because of what he says next. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He says, make it manifest, show it off. You're saved, live like it. By the way, God's going ahead of you. God's going behind you. God's on both sides of you. God's inside of you. God is enabling you. He is pushing you. He is encouraging you. He is challenging you. He is making it possible for you to do this. Now, these two verses pack quite a wallop. It's like, look, you've obeyed when I was with you. You're going to obey now. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who's at work in you. And you think he's going to ask them to do something really hard, right? This is what he says next. Do all things without murmuring and arguing. Okay. I mean, the it seems like, you know, he's like killing a fly with a sledgehammer there, like... Boom. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do everything without arguing or murmuring. How do these things line up? I mean, when he's yelling at the Corinthians, he's like, hey, one of you sleeping with his father's wife. Stop doing that. Right? It's substantial. When he's yelling at the Ephesians, it's like, stop getting drunk. Stop sleeping around. Husbands, love your wives. Slaves, masters, work it out. Substantial. When he's yelling at the Galatians, it's like, hey, circumcision is over. Get used to it. Right? He's, he's moving, going for the juggler. He's hitting hard. He's not pulling any punches. And here to the Philippians, who he loves. He's like, oh, well, you know, just don't murmur or argue. And it feels like he's letting them off a little bit. You know, like they're his favorites. You know, teacher's pet Philippians. All I got to do is not murmur or argue. Until you start to realize that what brings down community faster than just about anything else, especially communities that we love and have deep affection for, are the actions of murmuring and arguing. Murmuring has this onomatopoetic sense to it, doesn't it? English majors just went like... <laughs> it sounds like what it is, murmur, 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 murmur. murmur. If you're not sure if you're murmuring, if it has these kind of tonal patterns, you're That's murmuring. All right? And the idea here is to complain about something. When you're, when you're not quite in control of it and you're not happy with the way things are, you murmur. Sound too familiar? And we usually murmur about really, stupid things. I would like to confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I murmur about iced tea. I like this iced tea, the kind with the green label, unsweetened, no lemon. You know what kind of iced tea Johnny's runs out of first? This kind. Every time, nine out of 10 times, I am not exaggerating. I go to Johnny's, I'm thirsty, I want the iced tea, I walk up to the cabinet, slide the door open, Nope, They got the pink kind, they got the yellow kind, they got the blue kind, they have the extra sweet. Do we live in Georgia? We don't drink sweet tea here. That's why the green is always out. Unsweetened, no-lemon, hearty Midwestern tea. That's what I'm talking about. It's gotten to be that when I'm thirsty and I start walking to Johnny's, I don't just kind of walk to Johnny's, I walk to Johnny's. I'm like, go ahead, make my day. And in the summer, when y'all not here, I would raise a little bit of a fuss. And I would say to the happy person, whom I won't name because she's really lovely, I would say to her, hey, why do you have so many? I mean, they have like 72 of the other flavor. Why don't you have the green one? She'd be like, oh, and she'd go and look in the back and she was being super nice. And I was not. And she'd be super nice. And she would go in the back and she'd she'd like get me one. But it wouldn't be cold. <laughs> and I'd like, go back the next week and be like why? and so then finally she this wonderful long suffering employee of Johnny said this is the way it works I have to buy them all as a set and the green ones always run out first and so until all the rest of them are gone it's hard for me to order more to replace because I have to buy them all as a set And I was like, oh, that's really helpful to me, and I'm sorry for being a complete jerk to you. And what I realized not only my complete jerkness, total jerkness, that's a paraphrase of Calvinism point number one. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a minute, doesn't it? Just takes a minute, give yourself a minute that when I was going into Johnny's like loaded for bear I wasn't paying attention to any of the people who were at Johnny's I wasn't looking who was behind the grill and asking how they were doing I wasn't paying attention to their name tags so I could try to memorize the names of the staff I wasn't paying attention to see who wasn't there in case that person may have been ill or out When I was going into Johnny's and I was so focused on my murmuring, I didn't care at all about anybody else in Johnny's. Do everything without murmuring, says Paul. Do everything without murmuring. Because when you murmur, You're always turning it back on yourself, and you're always concerned about really petty things. Do everything without murmuring or arguing, he says. To argue is to take the murmur and just dial it up and engage somebody else. Some of you are in arguments right now with your parents, with your roommates, somebody on your team, somebody on your floor, somebody over Facebook. By the way, those arguments never go well. (laughs) Arguments tear people apart. Murmuring tears people apart. And the whole letter of Philippians up at this point has been all about bringing people together, right? Be of one mind, having the same mind of Jesus Christ. So don't murmur or argue because, yeah, the sex sins of the Corinthians and the Ephesians and the drunkenness of the Ephesians and the theological arguments of the Galatians are going to bring them down. But what's going to bring you down, Philippians, you wonderful, beautiful people that I love so much is this stupid murmuring and arguing. And then he says, you know what it looks like when you don't? He paints such a great picture. Verse 15 so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. Now that is a pretty amazing image. If you don't murmur or argue, you're blameless, you're innocent, you're children of God without blemish. You shine like stars in the world. Can you imagine if Christians were known to be non-complainers? Yeah, I had a four-hour layover. I was on the runway the whole time, four hours at O'Hare, but the entire plane was filled with Christians, and so nobody complained. (laughs) Yeah, our choir director made us go an extra half an hour this week because of the music festival, but because we're all Christians, none of us complained. It be like if we were known as the people who don't complain, the people who don't argue? I think we would shine like stars. And when Paul has that image of shining like stars, he's not just saying, Oh, you're going to look really pretty, you're going to kind of sparkle and look really nice, and people are going to be out walking their dogs at night and go, oh, it's so pretty. It's not what he's talking about. Because when Paul was writing this, stars were the way you navigated. No GPS, no readily available maps to people. The stars were what told you where you were and where you needed to be. So when he says, you're going to be shining like stars in the universe, he's not just saying you're going to illuminate things and it's going to be really pretty. He's also saying you're going to show people where to go. You're going to show people how to live. You're going to show people what it looks like when people who are saved start acting like they're saved. You are going to shine like stars in the universe. And it's going to transform things. That's what happens when we shine like stars. There is transformation that happens. Can you imagine if you were on a plane with a whole bunch of people and nobody complained and everybody said, well, we're just Christians. This isn't what we do. We, just, we don't complain. We just absorb. We're okay in a healthy, healthy way. We just accept this. Can you imagine what it would look like on this campus if we declared that this week was a no-complaining week? No complaints. You go into the dining hall, you see what they have, and you say, Fantastic! (laughs) I'm going to shine like a star. You're late for class, you're trying to find parking, you can't find it, you say, It's okay. I'm good! I can walk farther, I can be a little bit late. I'm shining like a star. Your professor hands back your assignment. You didn't do as well as you thought you had, but you receive it and you say, oh, this is an opportunity for me to learn. I'm not going to complain. Maybe I'll discuss gently. (laughs) Maybe I'll ask for clarification humbly, but I won't complain. What does it look like when we shine like stars? And Paul says, you know the difference that this makes for me? He says, if you hold fast to the word of life, verse 16, I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you must be glad and rejoice with me. He's saying here that if you can do this, if you can live your life showing people that you're saved, and one of the big ways you're going to do it is through not murmuring and not arguing, and you come together as community, you all work out, your all salvation together. If you do that, then everything I'm suffering over here in prison is just, it's just a part of what you have to suffer through in order to be the Philippian church. We've talked about how this church probably suffered, about how some of their members probably suffered financial losses once it became known that they were part of the church. Others of them probably lost friendships. Soldiers that they had been in arms with for years and years turned away from them. Their social structures, their financial structures, everything that they had kind of known and built their life on faded away until they just had this group of people So Paul says, look, if you all can show that you are saved, not by divisive behavior, but by unifying behavior, then the suffering that we're going through, you there and me there, all of it is just poured out in an offering to the glory of God. It's all for God's glory. If you can just show that you're saved, Tonight, as I was uh, checking emails before I came here and just kind of getting some office stuff done, I came across this email from the professor who's leading the semester in Ghana. And he doesn't know what we're talking about here tonight because he's in a different time zone and all off, but this is what he said. I wish all of you could have watched 16 Calvin students on a week-long study tour of northern Ghana. And seen how well they conveyed the college's devotion to learning in the light of the gospel, in meetings with leaders of both Christian and Muslim groups, in an extended but unplanned conversation with the priests that happened after a few of the students and I attended the 6:30 AM Mass at the Catholic Cathedral, in their patience with interminable bus rides, and in one place, filthy and vermin-infested hotel rooms. Through all this, the students were inquisitive, courteous, and appreciative. I'm grateful to be afforded the opportunity to supervise Calvin's fine study program in Ghana for the third time, and thankful to the parents and schools who helped to nurture a spirit of open-minded curiosity and a refreshingly direct commitment to the Lord in all of these young men and women. Those are your brothers and sisters. Those are some students you know who are right now in Ghana shining like stars. There's a lot they could have complained about. There's a lot they could murmur about and argue about. But instead they are working out their salvation. They are making it real. They are showing it off. And the only way we can do that is when God enables us. It's when God empowers us. God is saying to us tonight, I can help you do this. Can you spend a week and try really hard not to complain? Sure. But can God come alongside you and come and inspire you and make it possible? Yes. Can He empower you to reconcile with your roommate? Yes. Can He enable you to lay down the complaint and take up the joy? Yes. Can God make it for you to see this place where you're at right now as a place where He is at work among all of us? Yes. And one of the most tangible and clear ways in which God empowers his people is through the feast. Through the broken body and poured out blood of his son, Jesus Christ, he nourishes us. We were just talking in the profession of faith class before loft about how in some traditions we tend to think really hard about the sacrament. Take eat, remember, and believe. Like, it's all up to us. Like, we're working out our own salvation, even as we take the sacrament. we got to think really hard about it. But the truth of what is happening here in this event is that it's God who is working, who is enabling us to do the work that he has called us to do. It is God who is at work through the sacrament in ways that are beyond our imagining. It is God who nourishes us through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is God who continually reminds us who we are. You are my sons and daughters, he says. Live like it. Show off your salvation. Shine like stars. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all the ways in which you invite us to live holy lives. And we pray that tonight we start with not complaining and not arguing that we may be innocent and blameless. Help us to just start there, to live out of our identity as your sons, your daughters, to remember who we are, to remember whose we are. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.